1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: G'day. Welcome to Better Make It Quick. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thanks for being here. This is a quick Wednesday version of Better Than Yesterday, which is a podcast here to make your day-to-day better than it was yesterday by having conversations with people from all over the world, from all walks of life, some of them experts in their field. We all well, I certainly find a little bit of something in every chat that makes my day better than yesterday. I've been here since 2013, doing this three times a week—Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mondays, Wednesdays, here with a guest, and Fridays, I'm here with you today. We're going back to episode 86 when we have a chat with Ash London. Ash London and I have known each other for quite some time. We'll get into this. Uh, she was first on the podcast early on, yeah. and she just started as the presenter on the night show at the Hit Network. Uh, it's a radio station here in Australia. She came to a place, uh, I think I was living in Bondi at the time, yeah. We sat down and we had a cup of tea. We spoke a lot about faith and authenticity. And so I asked her, how does that faith help her honour her personal value of being authentic?
3: Great question. I think for me, holding onto the idea of truth, the one thing I know in the world that is true is that there is a God in heaven who loves me and knows me and wants me to love him and know him intimately. That's my truth. So when it comes to situations where I need to find my truth, I anchor onto that. You know, some call it a meditation, whatever it is, but I can close my eyes wherever I am. and I find that truth and I anchor that truth. And I say to that truth, all right, what is true in this situation? And what is my own experiences? What is my own letdowns? What is my, you know, what is all that that's kind of crowding everything else? Who was I actually created to be, you know, and I believe that we're all created with a purpose. We're all put on earth to do something wonderful. So for me, when I um make career decisions, when I make life decisions, it's not, you know, it's not logical. All right. Well, is this going to help me get to where I want to go? Whatever. It's okay. I'm going to anchor it into that truth. Does this resonate within my spirit? Does this serve, you know, my purpose on earth? You know, and I, and I bring things to God in my prayer and I believe that, you know, I can get a sense of, yeah, I feel good about this. And you trust your gut, you know. I believe, I'm i a big believer in in your gut. And it's interesting, I was telling my mum about it this week and my mum is like my own personal Dr. Phil slash Oprah. And she's talking about how our gut feelings aren't just this like Super spiritual weird thing, but it's our subconscious memory that can hold millions and millions of pieces of information and experiences and memories. So, in our logical brain, we hold on to probably twenty pieces of information, but in our subconscious, there's wealth of information. So, when we have a gut feeling, it's not this weird, you know, thing that you can choose to ignore. It's our subconscious going, okay, I've been in this situation when I was four years old, when I was eight years old, when I was 12, when I was 15. This is what happened. This is all the data. This is a good thing to do. This is a bad thing to do. So I'm learning to trust my gut, learning to anchor onto truth, learning to shut out this whole notion of other people's perception. So often we make situations based on what other people are going to think or how this is going to help us to be perceived in the world. But shutting that off as a creative, as I'm sure you understand, We need approval. We need attention. We need validation from people to go, we love your work. We love what you're doing. You're amazing. But to shut that off and go, okay, separate from that, is this going to really satisfy me? Does this serve my purpose? If not, I'm not going to waste my time doing it. And maybe I will do it. Maybe it won't immediately, you know, put dollars in the bank or make me look cool on Twitter. But is it going to satisfy that deep part of me? Yeah, it is. I'm going to do it. Faith
2: has been a huge part in that. I remember for a long time after my experience with going to private school, going to a, a school that was very much, you know, you're gonna to go to hell if you masturbate, that
3: kind of thing. Yeah.
2: I kind of was like, okay, I'm done with any part of it. Of course. Didn't want a part of it. And then when I heard people talk like you've been talking, I kind of reacted against that. What would you say to people who might be listening and Might be listening to you with some judgment about your experience, and Mm. you know, basically, might be a little frightened as to how much you weigh upon
3: this. Yeah, it's understandable if if you've never had an experience of God or of whatever is out there. Of course, we go off our own experiences. I would never expect someone who, you know, has never really sought God or or thought that that is a possible reality for life and look at the way I live my life and go, cool, they're going to look at that and go, that's weird. Like, sorry, but you're lying to yourself. Of course I get that. My advice, you know, to you would be seek God for yourself. Like if you want if you want to, if you don't want to, fine, but I'm not hurting anybody. I believe that it is making me a better person. I think it's helping us change the way we view Christians because for so long, Christians have given us a bad name. We've done things in the name of God that have broken God's heart and and broken people's hearts here on earth. So I'm happy to, you know, to to stir it up a bit, but I get that someone could look at that and go, yeah, you're entrusting your life to something that doesn't exist. But I can only go off my own experiences and what I know is real. And if that ever stops being real, maybe I'll change my view, but I don't think that's a possibility, you know. Right. But for me now in this in this moment, that's that's real to me and it hasn't failed me yet. You know, enough things have happened in my life for me to have gone off the rails and had enough of an excuse to go, you know what, stuff you, stuff you life, stuff you God. I don't want to borrow this. I have a permanent excuse to do nothing with my life. But instead I've gone, Nope, I believe I'm here for a reason. And I'm gonna chase that and I'm gonna be relentless about that. So
2: yeah. I, I- I did, I did come around eventually. Mm. <laughs> I came around, well, I kind of had to. I came around to the concept of a, of a higher power. Mm. I came around to the concept of a God of my understanding, just basically something bigger than me.
3: Yeah.
2: That's basically it. The idea that I'm not the centre of the universe, that so there's something true. much larger than me at play here, and that's all I really needed.
3: Yeah. I just needed
2: that humility. In that that's what it is. I'm actually it's, not it's, in charge. It's humbling. I can do my bit, but then I have to let the rest go. Yeah. And that's you know.
3: Especially for high achievers, who for your whole life, I would imagine you'd be pretty good at, to a point, making life perfect and, and achieving all that you want to achieve. Taking credit for it. And exactly, you think <laughs> Fine, I'm I'm great. I can do whatever I want. Uh, it was such a load off for me to get to a point where I was like, you know what? I can't do it. You know, I'm not the be all and end all. Life is not about how many Twitter followers I can get. Life is not about how jealous I can make my high school friends. That's bullshit. And it will never leave me satisfied. There is something so much bigger at play here. And it's not me. That was great for me. It was humbling for me. And I needed it. I needed humbling. I needed it. If you
2: have one look at her career, Ash London is clearly a very talented radio and television presenter. Now, I first met Ash when she and I both worked at MCM, which is a a media company that produced radio shows that I was a part of, Take 40 Australia, Hot Hits Live from LA, Out of Order on Nova before that. Yeah, I've worked with them for about 10 years. And I wanted to know how Ash went from working behind the scenes at MCM to hosting the music show, the weekend music video show, The Loop
3: on Network 10. It was my last night in London before I moved back to Australia. would have been about 22 or 23 and I thought all right I know that I want to work in media so I'm going to take any job at any media company and I'm just going to work my ass off and get the job that I want eventually. So um, I done work experience for MCM in year 10. Did Vox Pops and wrote album reviews. I knew they existed and I went on to seek.com.au from London and said oh they need a junior copywriter I was like writing i well, no, right you know I've got a degree a media degree so I applied for the job uh, before I left I landed in Australia I had an interview I said okay yeah I'm gonna get I'm, I'm gonna get this job and then eventually I'm gonna be you know out of the the sales side of it I'm not gonna be writing radio ads but I'm gonna be doing the interviews that's my goal so I went in there got the gig and I wrote condom commercials and telco commercials for you know a year and a half before I got the call up to move up over into the content side of things. It was an incredible way to get into the industry because it meant I could do the artist interviews and then they would cut me out of them. So I'd get to spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes with Usher and then do my thing and embarrass myself and make a couple of mistakes and it wouldn't really matter because they were just cutting Usher's uh, uh, Usher's, it's hard to say Usher when I've got Usher in front of me, Usher's answers out and putting it in someone else's interview. So it was awesome, you know, I learned to be comfortable in that space. And then after a couple of years, the heart you know the heart was being pulled to something more and I saw this you know an ad for a music host I emailed you before I told anyone else about it I, you know I'd emailed you like two or three times for work purposes I took a bit of a risk I was like I'm freaking gonna do it I'm just gonna email it and I was like hey and you're in LA and I thought I really think that this would be something I could do what do you reckon and you said go for it and you helped me out with my audition tape and sent it off and then over the next couple of months it sounds so lame to say that the stars aligned, but the stars aligned. you know. I met a guy in Sydney that I worked with in the same company. He was in the Sydney office and I was in the Melbourne office. And in the same week, I um, kind of met this guy, got this job and all signs were pointing to Sydney. So I came up and worked two days a week for Channel 10, spending half my wage on my rent to live in Bondi for the first year. as So many of us do when we move to Sydney. But um, it was well and truly the path I was supposed to take. It was a really great, you know, starting point.
2: And you felt it was in alignment with what you decided that night in London?
3: Absolutely. You know, it's weird. Like you you always kind of dream of a one day. I knew I could do it. I knew I could be on TV, but whether or not it was going to happen, I thought, we'll see. You know, I thought I chose the writing side of it because I was, you know, maybe I'll write films or I I know I can write. Maybe that would kind of satisfy it. But I tell you, there's no better feeling than being able to, I don't know, just be me, but get paid to do it, you know, talk. Like one of my few talents in life is just talking, you know. I love to talk and they're going to pay me to talk about my favourite thing in the world, music, what? And it was great. I got so lucky. I had the best co-hosts on earth, Scott Tweedy, who is a beautiful soul who I learned so much from about how to treat people.
2: I reckon I've got probably about five years left of being a viable option as a TV host <laughs> and then everything's going to be tweeted. He's a beautiful guy. The guy's going to take over television. And he deserves to. He's such a lovely bloke and very good at what he does. Yeah.
3: I've never, yeah. and I mean this, I, I've known a guy for three years. He does not speak ill of anybody. He will not do it. He just won't. It's not in his character. I'll sit there getting frustrated and angry. He'll just smile and nod alone and go, yeah, London, cool. Like You're allowed. And he's handsome. And he's so and good he's looking. Built. And he's built. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I get stopped good. by so many um gay guys in newtown who do not give a crap about me they just want to know he's not gay is he? i'm like i'm so sorry he's got a beautiful girlfriend like oh it's so unfair I'm like, i know and you know what else like well I'm like he's lovely and they're like oh
2: the loveliest yeah he's gonna take over television he's no true. shadow of a doubt he's, a,
3: he's just a beautiful human he works he works so hard i'm lazy i'm lazy i'm learning not to be lazy he will just
2: Chase it. Yeah. yeah, he's great, and I he will. Him. He he absolutely will. He'll take it over.
3: Yeah, and I'm going to hope he remembers another.
2: me. <laughs> I'm going to have to find another job. <laughs> I'm going to have to find another job because it's all it's it's going to be his. But thankfully, there's more pie than there is pie charts. So it's
3: exactly right. I could
2: only. I'm looking. <laughs> I want to be his champion. I really do. Oh, so totally. you have got this dream job. You did this dream job for three years.
3: Yeah,
2: I know what it's like. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. What's it like to wake up one day and realize? I can't do my dream job anymore. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to have to stop doing my dream job for my own good.
3: Yeah, it was um, humbling all over again. It was. It was my safety. It was what I've been doing for three years, and I loved it. I was, you know, by all me, by all, you know, accounts, it was a great job. And so many people were like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, come on, it's it's not. Just keep, just do it. What do you mean? You know, it's only three years, but." when you know you know and I couldn't fight that niggling part of me that was like all right Ash it's time to to move on that the feeling I got was I was being called onwards and that was my mantra for that called onwards called onwards it wasn't just giving up it wasn't just saying I'm too tired it wasn't just saying I'm done with this it was no I'm actually being called onwards and it's there's meaning in that and there's hope in that but it was a decision that really required me to know myself and know my own heart. And as soon as I said it out loud, I think I my boyfriend was the first person I told, her. I was like I don't think I can do this anymore. I'm just I'm really exhausted and I don't feel at home here anymore. You know when you're doing something and you know it's not what you're meant to be doing so you feel like a visitor? I felt like I was a visitor on set, which was weird. And you know, I'm never going to do something for the money. I'm never going to do something because I need to pay my rent. Like, that's just not how I roll. You know, I've earned a lot of money in my time and I've learned no money. And the happiness factor doesn't change. You just spend more money or spend less money. It was tough. And I, you know, told my manager and of course, your manager doesn't even want you to quit doing a job when they still, you know, when you can keep doing it. And they're getting a percentage. And they're getting, you know, a percentage, of course. <laughs> it was it was a wrestle. Yeah. You know, it took me a couple of hours to get her on board, but in the end she was like, all right, Ash, I've played devil's advocate. I've, you know, I've disagreed with you. I've given you the alternate options, but if this is what you want to do, I'll support you, and that's what I needed. And it, it's been a couple of months, and there's still been times that I'm like, crap, have I made the right decision? But I know I've made the right decision, you know more opportunities will come and more opportunities already have come. But The Loop was an incredible opportunity to launch me into a great career and I'm still, I'm 10% of the way there. But, you know, it's someone else's turn now. You know, who knows who I was stopping from starting their career by being too stubborn to move on, you know. So I look forward to seeing who else comes along and I'll be the first person. Like this is interesting that like the first person that I got an email from to really congratulate me when I got The Loop gig was... who did video hits for so long. And I guess you could say that our show replaced video hits. She was the first person. She read an article I did and sent me the most beautiful email, you know, encouraging me. And since then we've been good friends. She's always been the person that if I'm struggling with something, she's been in LA, I shot her an email and she'll always shoot the wisdom straight back. There was never a competitiveness. There was never, this is how I did it. There was a, I get it sister, like how can I help you? How can I support you? So I'll sure as heck be passing that on to whoever, you know, takes a mantle
2: on. It is a very hard lesson to learn, knowing when to leave, knowing when to bow out, and knowing when to let someone else have an opportunity. It's never easy, but I've talked about doing it before. I think it's an important thing to do. We'll hear more from Ash right after this. Hold
0: up.
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: For years now, Ash London has been in tune with young Australians, our youth, popular culture in our community. I was interested, in, from Ash's perspective, how does she think young Australians see the world?
3: I think of it in a way that what do I, what have I learnt that I want to pass on to them? What can I speak through my heart that's going to, you know, I think it is what we talked about, about the sense of you're not the centre of the universe. I know what I like. I know, you know, this and that. And I am, um, how do I say it? That's also part of being a kid, though. Yeah, but it's. I think it's just, it's magnified so much because they have this immediacy of, of Twitter and Instagram. And, and anonymity. And anonymity. Yeah, I can't get away with pronouncing an artist's name wrong. I'll get a tweet within 20 seconds about going to where? And they won't just say, Hi, Ash. Um, you do a great job. Just want to let you know that you said this name wrong. It's you're an idiot. You don't even know music, and you're a music host. What an idiot! You know?
2: You just use the nicest words. <laughs> I know what they write. To yeah. You.
3: Oh, absolutely. And that, and yeah. that's part of yeah my uh, journey towards humility. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and holding my tongue and just going, you know what. Yeah, because we think like that often, but you don't go out and tweet it, You know? but they do, you know. We do, I should say. I'm part of that. I'm, I mean, it takes a couple hundred thousand Shazams for a song to get into the countdown, so there are a lot of other people who are interacting with the show that, you know, are very different. But it, as you know, it's the online audience and the people that, that tweet, you know, it's, it's a specific kind of person. And We love those people because we get real-time feedback. It's like a family. They're really so invested in the show and, and it's it's very cool I guess I just yeah
2: do you feel a sense of responsibility to to these people who you have the ear of
3: absolutely and I get a lot of shit from Angus Mako who I love about you know the the positive quotes and the the happy clappy hippie stuff that I'll sometimes talk about but that's important for me I want to be authentic I want to be myself and you know there's nothing better than every I'll get tweets probably every day from someone, who, you know, a teenager will be like, I'm having a hard day today. Like, can you give me one of your, you know, some words of wisdom or some encouragement? To me, that is like, ah, oh, that's why I do this, you know. So with that influence, like that's the payoff of Twitter is the ability to actually, you know, actually talk to people and actually in 140 characters or less, you know, give them a bit of life advice. And I think that's something that I really want to move into. Is, you know, I don't know everything. God, I don't know everything. But I feel like, you know, in my 28 years, I learned a couple of things and certainly, you know, trying to be as authentic as I can. So that's, I think, part of the next phase of my career is finding ways to do that better and do it more.
2: Once I think, certainly for me, once I started this journey towards authenticity, this show is a massive part of it. Mm. Um, Initially, the approach to authenticity is exponential, but you never really get to zero.
3: No way. There's still there's parts of us, it's too hard, it's too close, it's too vulnerable, it's too precious, and that's okay. Not everything needs to be shared, I think that's important actually, you know, um, but it is, it is hard. And if something is pressing a button, well, you know it's real and it's sacred and that's okay. As long as you acknowledge it in yourself, then I think that's good.
2: I think in my experience, when something's pressing a button, when something as I'm, I'm reacting to it, I try to see it as, ah, thank you. Yeah. Let's shine some light into this darkness. Yeah. This is obviously annoying me because, okay, this is an opportunity to explore why this is annoying me. Absolutely. And, and kind of get some light on it and get some sunlight, disinfect everything and just yeah. figure that out. And then the next time that passes you by, it's a bit easier.
3: Absolutely. Every time. Yeah. As long as you're honest with yourself, mm. you know.
2: I don't think there's, in my opinion, I don't think there's room much now in broadcasting to be inauthentic.
3: Yeah.
2: If you're the newsreader, maybe.
3: Yeah. But that's what people expect. They can follow you on Twitter and Instagram. They know what you had for breakfast. And they know that, you know, you went here on the weekend and that you're reading this book and they feel like they know you. So if you're going to then, you know, get on air and fake it, people want more than that and they see through it you know they expect to hear your heart because through social media we do wear our hearts on our sleeves they expect a new level of authenticity and that's something I want to transition or integrate more into our artist interviews how can we go deeper in this I don't want to talk about psychology with them but what can we hear from these people that you know our audience hasn't already heard already 20 times let's go deeper let's be a bit more real let's create a safe place for artists to feel like they can be real without being taken advantage of without us tricking them or making them look stupid but to just change the conversation up a little bit and that's something that I'm very lucky in that you know the bosses I've got are all for that being real and trying things differently so it's I, mean, I feel like I'm in a great place and a great place to start that we're not going to get all the way there at once but you know little shifts
2: you'll be doing the nighttime radio for a little while
3: I don't know <laughs> we'll see I don't try not to make plans you know whenever I make plans they stuff up so I'll end up where I'm meant to end up I usually get a pretty good sense when things are about to shift I definitely feel like there's a shift coming in my life whether that means and you know whatever it means I don't know but for now I'm loving I'm loving nights I'm loving forcing myself to learn a new routine to work harder to maybe do things that is a bit uncomfortable for my body, it's good for me. I can't just get by on my big fat mouth all the time, you know. I need to adjust and I need to work hard. And I was, you know, working 10 hours a week last year and now I'm pushing 60. So <laughs> it's an adjustment, but it's, it's all good.
2: Right. It's healthy. And there was a big shift. Not too long after Ash and I had this conversation, she met her now husband and now... Uh, father to their, uh, their child, which is pretty wonderful. If you want to hear that full conversation with Ash, it's pretty great. We chat a lot about identity and, um, and faith. Well, it's interesting. Scroll on back to episode 86. You can also find Ash London on socials. She's at Ash London and uh, she just moved to Melbourne. There's an exciting part of her life about to take place there. So, well worth following along. She's magnificent. She's got a fantastic podcast as well. Hope you check it out. Thanks heaps to Rachel Barrett, who's the executive producer of All These Things. Thank you very much to Andy Maher for editing this. Thank you very much to Bruce Steele, who produced this episode. Until we speak on Friday, sleep well and dream of beautiful things.